1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello everyone and welcome to The Black Hand, an organized crime history podcast. I'm your host, Bliss Grieve, and today on episode 32, we're going to be talking about Roy DeMeo, who is without a doubt the most prolific hitman in the history of the American Mafia, as he and his crew are suspected of killing up to 200 people just throughout the 70s and early 80s. But without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Roy Albert DeMeo was born on September 7th, 1940 in the Flatlands neighborhood of Brooklyn, the fourth of five children born to Eleanor and Anthony DeMeo, two Italian immigrants of Neapolitan origin. And although we don't know much about his childhood, we do know that by the time he was 17 years old, while attending James Madison High School, DeMeo began earning money as a small-time loan shark. Also between the ages of 15 and 22, he worked at a local grocery store where he was trained as an apprentice butcher, a fact that would become important later on. However, it wouldn't be long before DeMeo's life would be flipped upside down, and on December 12, 1960, his father died of a heart attack when Roy was only 19 years old. Afterwards, his mother returned to Italy with Roy's youngest brother to live with relatives near Naples. Despite this loss, it was around this time that DeMeo caught the eye of local mobsters, especially one named Anthony Nino Gaggi. Born on August 7, 1925, by the age of 18, Gaggi began devoting all his time to loan sharking in Brooklyn bars and pool halls. But by the mid-50s, Gaggi had elevated his game, and in 1954, following his first arrest, Nino was charged with running an international auto theft ring operating out of a used car lot in Brooklyn. The ring was even backed by a man named Frank Scalise, who at the time was consigliere of what would eventually become the Gambino crime family. For two years, Gaggi and two associates fabricated false vehicle registrations for Cadillacs. The gang stole cars that matched funny vehicle descriptions and replaced their original vehicle identification numbers with new fake numbers. They also gave the vehicles new license plates that matched the falsified registrations, then sold the stolen vehicles in Florida. Georgia, Texas, and Mexico, but in early 1956 he was acquitted of the charges after witnesses quote-unquote forgot their testimony. Then in October 1960 he committed his first known murder for the Gambino family when he served on a hit squad that murdered a Gambino mobster named Vincent Squilanti who was suspected of killing Gaggi's mentor and the family's consigliere Frank Scalise. And even though Roy DeMeo was initially an associate of the Flatlands Canarsie faction of the Lucchese crime family, which controlled tow truck companies and car theft operations in the section of Brooklyn, Gaggi, now a soldier, noticed DeMeo in 1966 and told him that he could make even more money from his loan sharking operations if he came to work directly for the Gambinos. And before long, Gaggi started investing his cash into DeMeo and sent him men who needed larger loans than DeMeo's younger friends. However, through the late 1960s, as DeMeo got closer to Gaggi, Roy would start doing some recruiting on his own as he began developing a crew of young men involved in car theft. And it was this collective of criminals that became known both in the underworld and in law enforcement circles as the DeMeo Crew. The first member of the DeMeo crew was a 16-year-old named Chris Rosenberg who met DeMeo in 1966 when he was dealing weed at a Canarsie gas station. Following his initial introduction, DeMeo began funding Rosenberg's drug operations and with Roy backing him, Chris soon became the biggest up-and-coming hoodlum in the neighborhood. From day one, Chris was 100% loyal to Roy and DeMeo knew he had a fierce and loyal ally in Chris. As a result, Rosenberg was undoubtedly the number one member of the DeMeo crew and appeared to be on his own meteoric rise in the world of organized crime. Over time, between the late 60s and early 70s, Rosenberg introduced some of his friends to Roy, including Joseph Guglielmo, Anthony Center, and brothers Joseph and Patrick Testa, who would all become the core members of the DeMeo crew. 
Additional members of the crew came to include Richard and Frederick DeNome, Henry Borelli, and later Vito Arena and Carlo Perfetta. And with this newly formed crew, DeMeo and his underlings found lucrative ways to make and launder money, operating from a Brooklyn tavern at 4201 Flatlands Avenue, which DeMeo named the Gemini Lounge. Like the Jimmy Burke crew meeting at the nearby Bamboo Lounge, the DeMeo crew came in almost every day and drank, planned scores, critiqued past scores, and gossiped as any mob crew might do at their social club. Despite this, Roy continued making a name for himself as an individual, and by 1970, he was officially working under Nino Gaggi and paying him weekly tributes. More than that, around the same time, DeMeo joined a Brooklyn credit union, gaining a position on the board of directors shortly afterward. He utilized his position to launder money earned through his illegal ventures and introduced colleagues at the credit union to a lucrative side business, laundering the money of drug dealers that Roy had become acquainted with. He even built up his loan sharking business by making loans with funds stolen from the credit union's reserves, but it was also around this time that he began making a name for himself as an enforcer. In 1972, DeMeo and Nino Gaggi forced their way into a partnership with a company that illegally processed X-rated films. However, after law enforcement raided the company in 1973, the owner, Paul Rothenberg, began to cooperate with them. Gaggi subsequently ordered DeMeo to murder Rothenberg, so he shot him twice in the head in an alley in Flower Hill, New York, with Rothenberg's body being found with bullet wounds shortly after. But it seems that as soon as DeMeo started, he couldn't stop, and the trail of bodies that he and the DeMeo crew would leave in their wake in the subsequent years would be impossible for any other crew to match. DeMeo's crew got their first taste of blood in late 1974 when a conflict erupted between the DeMeo crew and Andre Katz, a young auto repair shop owner who was partners with DeMeo in a stolen car ring and continued to escalate. Tensions then reached a fever pitch in January 1975 when Katz visited the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office and voluntarily provided them with information that a DeMeo crew member named Chris Rosenberg was heavily involved in auto theft. Roy learned about the meeting immediately after it happened from an auto crimes detective on his payroll, so he ordered DeMeo crew associate Henry Borelli to contact a female acquaintance named Babbitt Questold about being used as bait. And on June 13, 1975, Questel was used successfully to lure Katz to her Manhattan apartment complex for what he thought was a date, where upon his arrival he was immediately abducted by members of the DeMeo crew who were about to implement the first iteration of what became known as the quote-unquote Gemini method. After being abducted, Katz was taken to the meat department of a supermarket in Rockaway Beach, Queens, where he was stabbed multiple times in the heart and back by a butcher knife. After being decapitated, Katz's head was then crushed when it was put through a machine normally used for compacting cardboard boxes. The rest of the body parts were wrapped in plastic bags and then deposited into the supermarket's dumpster where they were discovered a few days later when a pedestrian walking his dog spotted one of Katz's legs lying on a curb near the store. But like I said, this was just the crew's first attempt at their murder method, and as the 1970s continued, DeMeo cultivated his followers into a crew experienced with the process of murdering and dismembering their victims. With the exception of killings intended to send a message to any who would hinder their criminal activities or murders that presented no other alternative, a set method of execution was established by DeMeo and his crew to ensure that victims would be dispatched quickly and then made to disappear. This style of execution dubbed the Gemini Method after the Gemini Lounge, the primary hangout of the DeMeo crew, as well as the site where most of the crew's victims were killed. The process of the Gemini Method, as revealed by multiple crew members and associates who became government witnesses in the early 80s, was to lure the victim through the side door of the lounge and into the apartment in the back portion of the building. At that point, a crew member, almost always DeMeo, would approach with a silenced pistol in one hand and a towel in the other, shooting the victim in the head, then wrapping the towel around the victim's head to staunch the blood flow. Immediately after, another member of the crew, usually Chris Rosenberg, until his death in 1979, would stab the victim in the heart to prevent more blood from pumping out of the gunshot wound. By then, the victim would be dead, at which point the body would be stripped of clothing and dragged into the bottom where the remaining blood drained out or congealed within the body. This was to eliminate the messiness of the next step when crew members would place the body onto plastic sheets laid out in the main room and proceed to dismember it, cutting off the arms, legs, and head. The body parts would then be put into bags, placed in cardboard boxes, and sent to the Fountain Avenue dump in Brooklyn. So many tons of garbage were dropped each day at the dump that it would be nearly impossible for the bodies to be discovered. 
During the initial stages of an early 1980s federal-slash-state task force investigation targeting DeMeo's crew, a plan by authorities to excavate sections of the dump to locate the remains of victims was aborted when it was deemed too costly and unlikely to locate any meaningful evidence. The landfill opposite the Star at City apartment complex on Pennsylvania Avenue in the East New York section of Brooklyn across the Belt Parkway was closed in 1985 and capped over. But that was a long way out, and following the murder of Katz, the DeMeo crew wouldn't be idle for long as they would be tasked with taking care of the aftermath of the murder of a man named Vito Borelli. Gambino family capo Paul Castellano had ordered his death after Borelli made a pass at Castellano in front of his daughter, and he was subsequently shot in the face and body at a building in Manhattan owned by a Bonanno family capo named Anthony Rabito. Afterwards, former Bonanno family underboss Salvatore Vital allegedly drove the body to a garage in Queens where he saw DeMeo holding a knife ready to dismember Borelli. In the latter half of 1975, DeMeo became a silent partner in a peep show prostitution establishment in Bricktown, New Jersey after the owner of the business became unable to pay his loan sharking debts. DeMeo also began dealing in some really dark forms of pornography which he sold to his New Jersey establishment as well as connections that he had in Rhode Island, but when Gaji found out about DeMeo's involvement in such taboo films, he ordered him to stop under the threat of death. However, DeMeo defied Gaji and continued the practice while Gaji refused to retaliate, and according to his nephew Dominic Montiglio, the subject was never mentioned again as long as DeMeo continued making payments to Gaji. DeMeo also dealt in narcotics despite the Gambino family strictly forbidding the trade. He financed a major operation importing Colombian marijuana which was unloaded from an offshore freighter, sold at various auto shops in Canarsie, and also sold cocaine out of the Gemini Lounge. But as 1975 drew to a close, DeMeo was the subject of an IRS investigation into his income as months earlier the borough of Brooklyn Credit Union had been pushed into insolvency as a result of DeMeo and his colleagues plundering of its finances. As a result, DeMeo quit the credit union and before an indictment could be handed down against him, he utilized false affidavits from businesses owned by friends and acquaintances claiming he was on their payrolls as an employee. These affidavits served to account for some of his income, allowing him to reach a settlement with the IRS. Despite this, DeMeo's source of income as well as his crews continued to grow, and by July 1976, Roy added an automobile firm by the name of Team Auto Wholesalers to his ever-growing list of loan shark customers. The owner of Team Auto, Matthew Riga, also purchased stolen vehicles from the crew and sold them off at a New Jersey car lot that he owned. He also involved himself with hijacking delivery trucks from JFK Airport, and as a result, his crew now included a man named Edward Danny Grillo, a hijacker who had just been released from prison. But DeMeo also fell deeper into the enforcement business and would commit three murders in just a two-month span. Starting with a 43-year-old Lucchese family soldier named Joseph Brocchini, who was shot five times in the head inside his office by DeMeo and a crew member named Henry Borelli in Woodside, Queens on May 30, 1976. Less than a month later, DeMeo would go through with a personal favor to his mentor Nino Gaggi, and during some time between June 12 and 19, 1976, DeMeo and Gaggi shot a man named Vincent Governara multiple times as revenge for breaking Gaggi's nose in a fistfight in the late 1960s, and he later died in the hospital. And to close out the year, on July 13, 1976, DeMeo killed a man named George Byram for tipping off thieves that robbed Nino Gaggi's vacation home in Florida. Byron was shot in the face and stabbed 11 times. However, in the midst of all this murder, Roy had no idea that the entire Gambino crime family was about to be turned completely upside down, and on October 15, 1976, Carlo Gambino passed away. But before he died, Gambino named his cousin Paul Castellano the new boss, with Emilio Della Croce retaining his position of underboss. The implications, however, were twofold for DeMeo as Gaggi was elevated to the position of capo, taking over Paul Castellano's old crew. The promotion was beneficial for Roy, whose mentor was now even closer to the family leadership. Another advantage was that with Gambino deceased, new associates would be eligible for membership into the family. But unfortunately for Roy, Castellano didn't immediately open the books for new members, opting instead to promote existing members and shuffle around the crew leaders. He also opposed the idea of DeMeo being made as a whole. Not only did Paul not respect leg breakers, but he also involved himself in white-collar crime and looked down on street-level members such as DeMeo. Additionally, Castellano felt that DeMeo was untouchable. Gaggi's attempts at persuading Castellano to make DeMeo were continually rejected and by 1970, 
1977, Roy became distraught and searched for opportunities that would ensure larger returns for his superiors. The biggest of these opportunities came when DeMeo attempted to form an alliance with an Irish-American gang known as the Westies, which was founded in the mid-1960s and had made a name for themselves in racketeering, drug trafficking, and contract killing. The leader of a rival Irish gang named Mickey Splane was causing delays for the construction of the Jacob K. Javits Center, much to the frustration of newly minted boss Paul Castellano, so DeMeo soon saw an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. And it's alleged that on May 13th, DeMeo and a crew member named Danny Grillo shot and killed Mickey Splane both as a favor to Jimmy Coonan, the leader of the Westies, and to endear himself to Castellano. And after the officially unsolved murder of Spillane in May 1977, Westies leader Jimmy Coonan assumed control of most or all of the Irish mob rackets on the west side of Manhattan. So DeMeo, sensing an opportunity to create a vast source of income for the Gambino family, persuaded Nino Gaggi to consider a partnership with the Westies. Shortly afterward, Coonan and his second-in-command Mickey Featherstone were called to a meeting with Paul Castellano in which they agreed to become a de facto arm of the Gambino family and share 10% of all profits. In exchange, the Westies would be privy to several lucrative union deals and take on murder contracts for the family. But more importantly, it was his pivotal role in forming the Gambino-Westies alliance that reportedly convinced Castellano to give DeMeo his button and formally inducted him into the family. Roy was made in mid-1977 and was put in charge of handling all family business with the Westies. Newly made into the family, DeMeo was ordered to get permission before committing any murders and to avoid drug dealing. DeMeo's crew, however, continued to sell large amounts of cocaine, marijuana, and a variety of narcotics pills. The DeMeo crew also had their hand in at least five separate murders in 1977, with one being the double homicide of Jonathan Quinn, a car thief suspected of cooperating with law enforcement and Sherry Golden, Quinn's 19-year-old girlfriend. The crew dumped the bodies in locations where they would be easily discovered to serve as a warning against cooperating with authorities, but it was in the following year that the DeMeo crew would kill one of their own for the very first time. And on November 14, 1978, DeMeo, Chris Rosenberg, Anthony Center, and Joseph Testa murdered fellow crew member Danny Grillo, who had fallen into heavy debt with DeMeo and was believed to be becoming susceptible to police coercion. Grillo, who was dismembered and disposed of, like many of the crew's other murder victims, was the first known example of internal crew discipline. However, Grillo wouldn't be the only one for long as the DeMeo crew's second-in-command, Chris Rosenberg, was about to pull a move that would effectively seal his fate. Specifically, Rosenberg set up a drug deal with a Cuban man living in Florida that involved 12 kilos of cocaine, but when the dealer and three of his associates traveled to New York to complete the sale, Rosenberg killed all of them, making off with the drugs and the money. Unbeknownst to Rosenberg, though, the Cuban he killed had connections with the Cuban drug cartel, raising the possibility of violence between the Gambino family and the Cubans unless Rosenberg was dealt with. Sunino Gaji ordered DeMeo to kill Rosenberg, but continued to stall for weeks. And during this period, DeMeo committed his most public murder. The victim was a college student with no criminal ties named Dominic Raguchi, who was paying for his tuition by working as a door-to-door -door salesman. DeMeo saw Raguchi parked outside his Massapequa Park Long Island home, likely working his beat as a door-to-door -door salesman and assumed that he was a Cuban assassin. So DeMeo and crew members Joseph Guglielmo and Freddie Denome pursued Raguchi in a seven-mile car chase on Route 110 through Amityville and Farmingdale, during which the student was shot to death by DeMeo. After returning home and gathering his family, DeMeo drove them out of Long Island and left them at a hotel in upstate New York for two weeks. According to DeMeo's son Albert, he started crying when he discovered he had murdered an innocent teenager and didn't eat anything for several days. More than that, the public execution of Raguchi also put a strain on Roy's relationship with his wife, who had previously been able to ignore her husband's criminal activities. However, DeMeo wouldn't just have to face consequences at home as Nino Gaggi was infuriated by the murder of Raguchi and ordered Roy to kill his protege, Chris Rosenberg, before there were any other innocent victims. And on May 11, 1970, 
1979, Rosenberg reported to the Gemini Lounge for the crew's usual Friday night meeting. Shortly after his arrival, DeMeo quickly fired a single bullet into the unsuspecting Rosenberg's head. The usually ice-cold DeMeo hesitated when the still-living Rosenberg managed to rise off the floor to one knee, but Anthony Center then moved in and finished him off with four shots to the head. Unlike Danny Grillo, Rosenberg's body wasn't dismembered or made to disappear, as the Cubans had demanded that his murder make the newspapers. So DeMeo's men placed Rosenberg's body in his car and left it on the side of Cross Bay Boulevard near the Gateway National Wildlife Refugee in Broad Channel, Queens to be found. Albert DeMeo later recounted that Rosenberg's murder affected his father deeply and that when DeMeo came home after the killing, he went to his study room and didn't come out for two days. After Rosenberg's murder, DeMeo even spent six weeks hiding out with Joseph Guglielmo in a safe house near 42nd Street in Times Square, growing a full beard and disguising himself with a baseball cap and sunglasses while out in public. However, as 1979 continued, Roy began to expand his business activities, in particular his auto theft operation, which soon became the largest in New York City's history. Dubbed the Empire Boulevard operation by FBI agents, the operation consisted of hundreds of stolen cars being shipped from the port of Newark, New Jersey to Kuwait and Puerto Rico. DeMeo put together a group of five active partners in the operation, all of whom earned around $30,000. Aside from stolen cars, Roy was also shipping cigarettes and pornographic magazines to the Middle East. Aside from the active partners, other associates and crew members performed the actual stealing of the cars off the streets of New York. Among these associates was Vito Arena, a longtime car thief and armed robber who began working for DeMeo in 1978 after murdering his old partner, and, and like Freddie DeNome, Arena became closely involved with the DeMeo crew by the end of the 1970s. But in 1979, the scheme was nearly stopped by a legitimate car dealer who threatened to inform the police. He was murdered along with an uninvolved acquaintance before he could provide law enforcement authorities with information. However, that wouldn't be the only problem Roy would have to deal with, as in late 1979, DeMeo and his his mentor Nino Gaggi became involved with the conflict with James Eppolito Sr. and Jr., two made Gambino members in Gaggi's crew. They also doubled as the paternal uncle and cousin, respectively, of a former corrupt NYPD detective named Louis Eppolito, who along with his partner Stephen Caracapa became part of a duo known as the Mob Cops. James Eppolito Sr. met with Paul Castellano and accused DeMeo and Gaggi of dealing drugs, which carried the death penalty, but Castellano, to whom Gaggi was a close ally, sided against Eppolito and gave Gaggi permission to do what he pleased. So on October 1st, 1979, Nino Gaggi and Roy DeMeo shot both James Eppolito Sr. and Jr. in the back of the head while sitting in their car in the Coney Island section of Brooklyn. A witness driving by right as the shots were fired within the parked car managed to alert a nearby police officer who arrested Gaggi after a shootout between the two left Gaggi with a bullet wound in his neck. But since DeMeo had split up with Gaggi as they left the scene, he wasn't arrested or identified by the witness. Gaggi was subsequently charged with the murder and the attempted murder of a police officer, but through jury tampering was convicted of only assault and given a 5-15 to 15 year sentence in federal prison. In response, on May 12, 1980, a 21-year-old named Patrick Penny was shot 9 times in the head by DeMeo and a crew member named Richard DeNome after he testified against Nino Gaggi. However, DeMeo was about to come under his own heat from law enforcement because while the Boulevard operation had continued to expand through 1979 and 1980, the warehouse serving as its headquarters was raided by agents from the Newark branch of the FBI in the summer of 1980. DeMeo crew members Members Henry Borelli and Frederick Denome were arrested in May 1981 for their roles in the operation, but there wasn't enough evidence to arrest any of the five active partners. DeMeo ordered Borelli and Denome to plead guilty to the charges in hopes that it would stop any further investigations into his activities by the FBI or other law enforcement agencies. Despite that, by 1982, the FBI was investigating the enormous number of missing and murdered people who were linked to DeMeo or had last been seen entering the Gemini Lounge. Around this time, an FBI bug in the home of Gambino family mobster Angelo Ruggiero picked up a conversation between Ruggiero and Gene Gotti. And in the conversation, it was discussed that Paul Castellano had put a hit on DeMeo, but was having difficulty finding someone willing to do the job. 
Gene Gotti mentions that his brother John was wary of taking the contract, saying that DeMeo had an army of killers around him. It was also mentioned in the same secretly recorded conversation that at the time, John had killed fewer than 10 people while DeMeo had killed 37 that they knew about. According to Sammy Gravano, the contract was eventually given to a Gambino Capo named Frank DeChico, but DeChico and his crew couldn't get to DeMeo either, so DeChico allegedly handed the job to DeMeo's own men. DeMeo's son Albert wrote that in his final days, Roy was paranoid and knew that he would be killed soon and went around wearing a leather jacket with a shotgun concealed underneath. He even considered faking his own death by having his son shoot him and then laying low. Then on January 10th, 1983, DeMeo went to crew member Patrick Testa's house for a meeting with his men. Ten days later, DeMeo's Cadillac Coupe de Ville was discovered in the parking lot of the Varuna Boat Club in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. The car was then towed to a nearby police station where it was searched by detectives belonging to the Organized Crime Bureau. At which point, Roy DeMeo's partially frozen body was found at the trunk with a chandelier on top of it. He had been shot multiple times in the head and had a bullet wound in his hand, presumed to be a defensive wound caused when his killer opened fire on him. The task force investigating the DeMeo crew theorized that Roy was set up in a similar manner to how he set up Chris Rosenberg and that Nino Gaggi, Patrick Testa, and Anthony Center were present when he was killed. In April 1984, a Colombo family soldier named Ralph Scopo was overheard explaining to an associate that DeMeo had been killed by his own family because they had merely suspected that he wouldn't be able to stand up to legal charges and resulted from his stolen car ring. According to Scopo, Paul Castellano also, quote, had to put DeMeo away because he was crazy and had cast iron balls. But that's really all I have for you guys today. However, with episode 32 comes the end of season 1 of The Black Hand. It has been an incredible 8 month stretch so far and this is by no means the end of the show. I'm just taking a break to reset, put together some opportunities for the show in the future, and really just do some maintenance on the older episodes. I hope more than anything that you support this hiatus and tune back in for season 2 on May 31st. But with that said, I thank you all so much for all of your support and hope you all have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Plus Grieve, signing out.